I think we still have and embody that that core mission, which is to end disposable culture. But when we say that, we don't think that Stojo, the brand itself, is necessarily going to do that. Um, there's there's so many other you know brands out there that are are working on similar problems. So for me, as a CEO um, and and really a, a brand builder, uh, which is how I see myself, a, a product designer and a brand builder, I am using um, marketing tools and storytelling to give metaphors to consumers, to the, pu- the public that are useful in helping their imagination get their head around a really complex problem and distilling it into a simple thing. Welcome to the Sustain Podcast, where we discuss all things that exist at the intersection of design and sustainability. Are you intimidated by the zero and zero waste, but you want to live more sustainably? Are you inspired by elevated, timeless design? Do you prioritize progress over perfection? Then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Jacqueline Tracy, the founder of Sustain, a home-focused, sustainable marketplace on a mission to build a more circular future, imperfectly, but collectively. got to chat with Jurian Swartz, the co-founder and CEO of Stojo. Uh, Stojo offers collapsible, convenient reusables, and they make a range of handy, ultra-portable accessories from bottles to bowls to straws. They are the ultimate plant-friendly products that make sustainable living easy. Um, one thing that I didn't mention when we chatted is, um, you know, they're dishwasher safe, you know, everything that they make. Uh, we did talk about they're made of, of silicone, which is much more sustainable than plastic. And uh, and it was just a lovely conversation. Jurian and I have connected a few times over the year. He was one of the first uh, brands that we added to the sustained marketplace. It's, uh, you know, something that I use every single morning. And, uh, and so I was super excited to interview him. And we talked about everything from how he you know, takes care of himself as a, a founder and a CEO, uh, you know, how he balances his family life, uh, what he's excited and hopeful about in the sustainable space. And, and just, we just talk about, you know, what it's, what, what it was like, what were the challenges of building a company over the last 10 years. So I am super stoked for you guys to listen to this episode and um i just really i always enjoy uh, our conversations uh durian and i's conversations um he's just really like so so grounded so philosophical and and just has built this very inspiring brand so i hope you enjoy this episode as much as i did So we have Jurian Swartz, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Stojo. Stojo offers collapsible, convenient reusables, and I am so excited to chat with you today, Jurian. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, I'm excited as well, and thanks so much for thinking of me. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about about Stojo, because Stojo, I'm again like so excited about this because you know Stojo was one of the first brands that we added to the Sustain marketplace and 
And the first time you and I ever chatted, when you were just talking about, you know, ending disposable culture and challenging societal norms in that way, uh, I was just like, okay, this is this is a brand that really, you know, has the potential to, to make a huge difference here. And um, and so tell me a little bit about like, you know, what inspired Stojo. Um, a little, I mean, I know I did an intro of the collapsible, convenient reusables, but a little bit about the brand too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so taking a step back, Stojo is now from when we launched on Kickstarter, we're, we're almost coming up on 10 years. Um, and we were ideating and playing with the idea for probably two before it started. I'm actually co-founder. So Alex Abrams and Ben Mellinger co-founded it with me. Um, great partners um, and, and really, you know, instrumental in the journey, um, even though I'm the day-to-day -day and the face. Um, and the idea in the beginning was was fairly simple. It was how do you how do you create an everyday object that people are going to love that's going to have a high level of utility and really solve the problem of disposable coffee cups. Um, so that's that's what we started with. It was just kind of an idea. Um, we, we didn't at the time have a vision really for the brand until we launched and then um, we saw how fanatical certain people were about the product, how it, it changed their lives. So you think of the everyday commuter in a city situation or somebody's on a plane and they're, they're going through three, five cups of coffee or tea a day and they were feeling a lot of guilt about that, um, wanted a better solution and there was nothing really that was like stylish quality um, and, and that could, you know, collapse into a small form factor. So we solved that problem. Fast forward to today after the pandemic and, and, and an evolution of, of many years, um, I think we still have and embody that, that core mission, which is to end disposable culture. But when we say that, we don't think that Stojo, the brand itself is necessarily going to do that. Um, there's, there's so many other, you know, brands out there that are, are working on similar problems. So. For me as a CEO um, and, and really a, a brand builder, uh, which is how I see myself, a, a product designer and a brand builder, I am using um, marketing tools and storytelling to give metaphors to consumers, to the, pu the public that are useful in helping their imagination get their head around a really complex problem and distilling it into a simple thing. Mm -hmm. So Stojo in ending disposable culture and as we evolve, um, and especially next year, by, by, by next year, there's a, there's a whole suite of really awesome products in development right now that I'm, mm. I'm super excited about. But they really um, are, are not going to be what, what you thought they were, which is like just things that end single use uh, necessarily. So um, as I've evolved as a, as a founder, um, as I've evolved as a dad, uh, as, a, as a consumer, um, for me now, disposable culture, ending disposable culture has a lot more to do with my day-to-day -day habits, like um, buying groceries in bulk, bringing them home, batch cooking, uh, cooking super nutritious, high nutrient dense foods that are healthy for my whole family, cater to all their different nutritional needs because kids are different than, um, you know, 40 year old guys uh, are different from um, women in their late thirties, my partner, Megan. Um, so I'm really like trying to kind of end disposable culture in the sense that I'm, I'm slowing down my life. The pandemic kind of taught me that I'm simplifying things. Um, we almost never eat out anymore. Um, we very seldom go to coffee shops, etc. 
um, never buy bottled water. So we don't we don't really have the needs for a lot of the products that, that I actually developed in the first kind of phase. Um, so now I'm just kind of going around my kitchen, uh, my house, my bathroom, and I'm going, where are there other areas where I can create beautiful containers that lend themselves to healthy consumers, um, continue to reduce the amount of single-use plastic or packaging or waste in their, in their daily lives. That's so beautiful. I have uh, so many questions now. So... <laughs> So the, okay, so tell me a little bit about, because, so, you know, with Sustain and, and the marketplace and the, and the editorial that, we, that we've built, it, our mm-hmm. whole focus really is about the intersection of, of sustainability and design. Yeah. And so you, you're, I, I love that you brought that side of it up and that, you know, you're a product designer and, and Stojo really does have a unique style and it's, it, it is really elevated and and again, like so functional at the same time. And, and so tell me a little bit about the design side of, of, of this product. Like, what, did you go to the design school? Was that a big part of your background? Was, yeah, just tell me a little bit about, about that. No, so my, my background was I got a you know, liberal arts education, um, a small, small college in New England. And um, I, you know, I took a couple art classes, but that was it. Um, it was really, um, I think, just kind of an aesthetic and an eye that I've kind of built up over time for myself. Um, I come from a family of um, engineers, and there's a lot of artists in there. Um, my grandfather um, invented a lot of really cool products that, that are actually, you know, used by, by people every day, um, still today. Um, so I, I think I picked that up from him. Um, I, he doodled a lot in the... Um, in the garage and made stuff. He made really cool toys for me. He made gadgets that we needed around the house. So I think I, I got that problem solving kind of um, mindset from him. Um, and and then I think my aesthetic was um, I studied Chinese literature, um, East Asian culture in college. And so um, I spent four years over in Asia. Um, the, the, the simple, um, natural design uh, sensibility of, of Japan has always really spoken to me. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, um, I, I really got to learn a lot about Scandinavian design. And so I, I think like my sensibility is is a marriage of the two of those uh, traditions. And and then as a person who cares about sustainability of the planet, like being able to think about materials and, and have have as natural materials as you can and so with Stojo, as you know, like everything right now is made out of silicone. Um, and then anything with structure, we're using polypropylene, which is number five recyclable plastic. So it's really unique in that it is the safest kind of plastic to have in contact with food and liquid. Um, it's, it's not very um, prone to leaching into foods. It does really well under heat in the microwave and it's highly recyclable. Um, so that's why I chose that silicone made out of silicate sand, um, you know, really easy to create. And actually companies like Dow are figuring out how to make it out of out of ash, um, which is is further improving the eco footprint of that. But um, what I'm really excited about coming up for Stojo is we're starting to move into new materials. Um, so think glass, ceramics, um, and, and actually we're going to be introducing um, fully recycled ocean plastic um in some of our plastic lines um next year um so 
to go back to your your question around materials, um, you know, as a designer, I think about where are the materials coming from, how are they being made, what, what's the factory doing in terms of limiting the waste during production, and then when I package it and I ship it, how can I package it in in the the most kind of you know responsible way? So that's using um, paper from um, certified forests that are you know not not being destroyed or being you know tended and in in managed in a proper way, um, limiting um, the use of ink and things like that on our packaging. If we are using ink, we're using vegetable-based ink. All, all the kind of best practices that, that many, many brands are incorporating. But just thinking about all those little details um, and then hopefully creating a product, um, you know, the way I was highly inspired by Tupperware as a boy because uh, my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, they all used it. I used to go to Tupperware parties. <laughs> and Tupperware is stuff that, you know, people still have in their house and are using and sometimes even hand down generation to generation. And mm-hmm. you can even find it on, on Etsy and eBay, like used sets are being sold. Um, so for me, that's like a generational use of plastic. It's probably the, the best kind of plastic use that, that we can have. So I hope that the Stojo products, um, people just keep them for a long time. Uh, the fact that if, if you break a part or you lose a part, we'll... We'll replace it for you, no questions asked. Um, we also make parts available for sale on, on our website. So the idea there is just like, just extend the useful life of as much kind of consumer stuff as we can. Um, so just always thinking about that in the process. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and the, and the collapsibility really does make you guys very, the design and the collapsibility. Because like yeah. you said, it's, I mean, that's like, I tell everybody, especially when I'm traveling, I'm like, this is yeah. my, my best travel secret, you know, <laughs> throwing my yeah. Sojo cup in my bag. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's super useful. And then, you know, what, what has actually um, taken off and, and has been our most popular line um, since the pandemic is our collapsible uh, food storage. Um, we have we have a round and a square and and um, in a in a midsummer we're going to introduce a, a new a new line of that so expanded sizes and shapes and um, people are finding hey you know because most people's um, food storage container game is pretty mishmash and very few people if you have an open kitchen design would would stack their their Tupperware um, somewhere where somebody can see them and I think what makes Stojo unique is that the lids the containers all go together it collapses down really neatly. And, and we have, you know, the Stojo colors that I think are, are one of our, our unique kind of selling kind of points. Um, those are available in our food storage. So um, it's, it's really easy to kind of match the decor of, of your house and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's kind of like Tupperware that doesn't take up too much space and doesn't look bad when you, when you use it. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank so, you. Um, okay, so, so you started this 10 years ago, and it was a three dads which which yeah. i love because i do think i mean this is uh, i'm i don't have children but uh you know i also find use for shoujo but i, I can imagine once i have children <laughs> i'll have yeah. even more you know you just need i mean you, just, you need more tupperware you need more um you know to go uh store food storage for for kids going to school and everything so i I love that uh, side of your guys' story, and uh, and so when you when you started this ten years ago, like what were some of the earlier challenges that you faced in building the business? Um, the earliest challenges would have been inexperience in the category, right? Um, I, I was a 
a finance professional. So um, really strong spreadsheet and financial game. Um, <laughs> decent marketing chops because I did a lot of um, business development work um, for for my my firm. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. I had to learn Amazon. I had to learn Shopify. I had to learn international production, importation, um, you know, patent protection, trademarking, um, how do trade shows work? How does the wholesale industry in the United States work? What are distributors? What are sales rep? You know, just you name it. I had to learn everything from scratch. And, um, you know, it really was once we got launched um, in 2015, it really was me kind of a one man band trying to figure everything out. And Alex and Ben were helpful where they could be, but they, they had full time jobs. Um, so there was a lot of learning, a lot of mistakes got made. And, and I'll admit, I'm a, probably a slower learner than many. Um, so I, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, so, you know, financing is always a challenge as you grow. Um, you know, you're constantly any money that you make is going either into new products, new designs, hiring staff, or just new inventory, really. And, and so that was a huge challenge. Um, and then the final thing was was actually very structural and for any kind of aspiring product people out there who, who have the next best idea. Um, it, it, it's not insurmountable, but it, it's almost insurmountable that when you come out and you know, if you watch Shark Tank, you see that all the time. They say, well, what you have is a product, you don't have a company. And, and that's so true because you have to acquire a customer, you have to get their attention and that costs a certain amount of money to do that, especially if you're using Facebook, Meta, TikTok, um, if you're on Amazon, you're competing with other people for eyeballs. And once you get somebody in, if you have a product that a person only really needs one or two of, um, it's really hard to make the economics work. And it took us a long time to kind of figure that out. And, and we really had to kind of break our whole business model over the last two years and, and recreate ourselves um, in order to have, um, you know, a, a shot at just being a, a, a going concern. Um, it, it's that it's that tough. Um, so by by um, introducing rapidly more products and see you as a marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. um, you naturally already have diversity of selection. Mm -hmm. So when somebody finds your site, they could buy six or seven or eight things that appeal to them, get up to a certain cart size and then check out and justify the shipping costs, etc. Um, for Stojo, well, if it costs you 40, 50, 60, $100 at times to acquire a customer and they're buying a $25 item, the math does not work. Mm -hmm. um, so so that, that took many years for me to actually figure out. Um, again, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys have definitely learned how to how to navigate it because now the brand that you've built is just in incredible. And, uh, and so, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. That's, that's, uh, that's always really interesting, um, to hear about because, uh, when I think about a product company, especially a sustainable product company, like when I think about like doing what you're doing, the, the biggest challenge that I would think would be in the way is like, just what you're, what you, you uh, briefly chatted about this, but would be the creation of the product and like making it actually sustainable and, and trying yeah. to figure out how to navigate, like how do you even, you know, work with, you know, factories in that way to manufacture that kind of thing. And, um, but it sounds like 
it was like numerous. They're like they're like <laughs> numerous different yeah. challenges well, in front of you. Me. Know, the, the the thing I'd say to that, and this is where I think metaphors are handy. It's like if you don't know how to cook, you would think that creating a menu and running a kitchen is the hardest part of having a restaurant. But if you know how to cook, you don't even think about that, right? Mm -hmm. You actually would think that managing the operations and the expenses and marketing and getting people into your restaurant is the hardest part of running a restaurant. So there's a little bit of bias in my response because, mm -hmm. right, I don't even, I don't think about it. I like creating products for me. Um, I, ideally at Stojo and any other companies I've been, I'm involved in, if I just have a staff who could help me execute on all the products that I could whip out that I have in my head that I have written down on, on my notepad of future kind of back burner ideas, um, I, I probably could come up with 50 commercially viable products that I think I could make and, and, and have a, a huge level of commercial success. I, I don't even think about that. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just, it's like driving a car, it's second nature. Um, it's really running a company, managing staff, navigating all the, the, the things that come with um, running a, a, a competitive product CPG company mm -hmm. uh, in, in today's market, um, which, which yeah, so, so, so that's, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I like that framing. That's like, that's really important to remember. I think for, yeah. it's like, of course your expertise is going to come a little more, a lot more naturally to you. Oh, than, a lot more naturally. Yeah. Real. I yeah. mean, it's just, there are certain people who can visualize a product in their head and all the steps that come in making it. And it's, it, it's just. I don't know. It's like if an artist is doing a really complex painting or drawing, mm -hmm. they don't they don't see it the way we see it. They see it as like all the individual steps that go into it, and it it, it just makes sense for them. It comes naturally. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I think about product design for myself. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Sustain is raising a community investment round, and you're invited to participate. If you love Sustain, believe in our mission, and want to become a co-owner of our rapidly growing company, visit wefunder.com slash sustain. Investments start at just $100. And so, okay, so this is my favorite question because our whole philosophy at Sustain is progress over perfection. And I actually, I mean, I think your brand is such a good, it's like, we always like to give people easy solutions, you know, to yeah. um, like just slowly making these small sustainable changes that really do make an impact over time. Like I was reading on, uh, on your website this morning that the average coffee drinker consumes over 300 cups each year. And that means that, like 500 billion disposable cups are being thrown into the landfill yeah. every single yeah. year. And so that this is, I mean, to me with food storage, especially, but I'm, I'm excited about the, the new products that you're going to be launching too. Um, with food storage, it is, it's just such a simple, you know, easy swap. It's just, you just start using it. And especially with the design of what you guys have built, it's like, you want to use it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I have yeah. stojos that like match different outfits and I'll like, go get yep. my coffee in the morning, <laughs> but I'm wearing like, my like beige outfit today. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're totally like in our, in our kind of our marketing, um, kind of like, um, profiles of our different 
users mm -hmm. you're you're a power user like Definitely. you literally the reason i designed so many colors was because i was like there are actually people who are going to have such strong fashion game and sustainability <laughs> it's such a signal to have a reusable cup as opposed to a paper cup when they're out and about that they're going to want to have multiple versions so that they can match their outfits yeah their nails. totally so yeah. thank you yeah i'm a power user <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, but I, so our whole philosophy is, is progress over perfection. So, so in what ways have you incorporated that philosophy in the context of business or, or personal growth? Yeah, that, that is a, that's a great question. Um, it's a, I think it's a, a very, um, the answers can be very telling and I think are, are useful for people who, um, might find themselves to be perfectionists and, and sometimes frozen by an inability to act. Um, I, I definitely suffer from that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a massive, massive procrastinator. Um, and the reason I procrastinate typically, there's two reasons. One is because I don't want to do it. Um, I inherited that from my other grandfather. Um, <laughs> he doesn't care what it is. If he doesn't want to do it, he just doesn't do it. And I've always loved that much to many people in my circle chagrin, but um, that's kind of how I roll. Um, but I, I tend to procrastinate heavily on things that, um, I'm really uncertain of how good of a job I can do. Mm -hmm. Um, so the more complex and intimidating the project is to me, uh, the more I procrastinate. Um, so the thing about a company is it's, it's, it, it follows some really simple rules. Um, how much cash do you have in your bank account or how much credit do you have access to? and how much are you spending and how much are you making on a monthly basis and because of that i've had to really really learn how to prioritize um, and when you're um, an entrepreneur with small staff um, in a in a an economic environment like we've been in the last three three four years um, and you're also a highly highly involved dad um, who's who's like you know i, I set very strict rules around um, I turn off my phone at five or set it down. I'm not, I'm not doing work after that unless I'm maybe checking in on my Shopify numbers or something like that. But um, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are all about the grind. I'm all about um, just kind of like creating blinders for myself. So 9 a.m., 10 a.m. is the, the earliest that I want to work. I go till five really hard, but then it's like time to go pick up the kids from school. I'm, I'm done. Um, you know, and, and so like that, that has necessitated me to learn how to just choose the two or three things I want to get done every day and then be highly comfortable with a, a ridiculously long to-do list that pretty much is always ridiculously long. Um, but I just, I get the stuff that has to get done, done, and then I turn it off. And what I've learned, I'm 47 years old. Um, I think I have the energy level of, of a lot of like 20 something year olds. And, and the reason is because I, I focus on setting limits, boundaries that I'm, I'm very aggressive about, um, sleeping, um, taking time to breathe, taking time to get fresh air, working out every day and eating really well. Um, and and I, I didn't always do that for most of my life. I didn't, but by 2018, um, the way things were going with Stojo in my personal life, um, I, I just got super out of shape super overweight, was stressed out, low energy levels, um, was relying on coffee to get out of bed every day. 
Um, and the last five years, I've really been working really hard on just controlling the things I can control. And those are the things I just talked about. The other stuff I can't control, I, I, but I have enough energy and enough mental kind of emotional bandwidth that I'm okay with it. Um, and so, you know, really getting serious about that and then just having discipline. Um, those are the things that I, I think really make a difference. Um, so, um, you know, with, with Stojo, we've always had to make decisions around costing, what's the most the, the market can spend, um, financial decisions that you don't always like to, to kind of have to do. But um, for instance, in, during the pandemic, I had to let go of most of my staff um, over time. It took a while. And it was really hard because these are like family. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we worked together every single day for years and they were all as committed and into this as I was. And uh, we spent more time together most days than, than you can with family. Yeah, and, and, that, um, and that makes sense that the, the pandemic would hit you guys because it's like, okay, well, people aren't going, they don't need to go. They're not commuting and they're not traveling. Storage and anymore, yeah. We, we didn't even, we didn't have the food storage until um, mm -hmm. so, really until 2021, beginning yeah. of 2021. And that that's that turned around the company. It, it, it mm -hmm. changed our trajectory. Um, and, you know, our, our cups and our bottles still sell really well now. But for a good year and a half, it, it was it was dead. Mm -hmm. Business was absolutely dead. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, yeah, we had to make tons and tons of sacrifices in that way. And and um, you know, but, but again, I think like it, it just, um, the stuff works out. You're, you're, you, you know what you need to do and, and you just kind of do it and, um, you grow from that. Um, and, and those kind of lessons are applicable to raising kids, um, having friends, um, just conducting yourself in life. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think I have less anxiety than, than a lot of people. And I think a lot of people have anxiety because they worry about things that they really can't control. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think they're under-resourced in terms of energy and, and mental capacity because they're trying to do too much. They're, yeah. they're too scattered. Yeah, I would say, especially entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, yeah. I think entrepreneurs, many, many, many entrepreneurs run highly anxious. Uh, yeah. Because they're thinking so much about the future, you know, and the outcomes and yep. the goals and, and all the things. So I really, I, I love hearing you say that there are, there are a few um, like founders and CEOs that I really respect because of, because of that. Like I, I don't have kids right now, so I'd say I don't have the same as clear boundaries, um, but I think it's so healthy. I still, I still definitely have a better balance than, a, than, you know, probably a lot of, especially like New York entrepreneurs, but yeah. I, so I, yeah. I, I really, I always try to, you know, focus on sleep movement, all those, you know, clean eating and all of that. And, and I do think, I think it's like, if you're just grinding and hustling, it does actually make you, it like, it's harder to make decisions. It's, it's harder to do the work. It's, it's a drag. And, and they say even like, you know, if you sleep like four to five hours, it's almost like your brain is drunk. So it's like, how can you, um, yeah. how can you be like the leader you want to be? So yeah. I think that's just a message that honestly, like needs, needs to, you know, all of society needs to hear, but especially entrepreneurs that, that setting boundaries yeah. like that is really, really healthy and important to progress continually. Yeah. Fully, fully agreed. Fully agreed. And I, you know, the, the grind and the hustle is, um, is, is a really masculine energy. And it's necessary 
at times. It's 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 a necessary part of of the recipe, but so is leaving lots of space for feminine energy, which is less structured, more chaotic, more creative, um, just more in flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I actually. I, I've made a very conscious effort to bring a lot more feminine energy into my life um, in, in, in the way that I conduct myself. Um, the intuition, um, the creative spark, um, the, the way to disarm people that you, you don't necessarily agree with and, and get them to be willing to come around and collaborate um, on a team. Um, way, way better to, to, to bring feminine energy into that, mm-hmm. I find, yeah. for me. Um, yeah, okay. I'm sure there's industries and stuff where, you know, it's all masculine, yeah. but uh, not not in this world. Yeah, um, especially not, I'm not industries brand. I want to work in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't want to work there. Yeah. I think, I think um, society is really coming around and trying to find balance there, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's important. It is. It's so important. Um, Okay, so you actually just already answered a few of the, the questions that I was going to ask about just taking care of yourself and overall well-being, so that's that's amazing. The, what I am curious about is, um, so were you, when you started the company, were you always into sustainability and always kind of thinking about that, or was it, or what, what was that moment like for you? Um, it- it was ultimately it was an evolution. It's a it's it's one thing to to care about like recycling and composting and 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 think about these things, which I did in my in my twenties. Um, I grew up in Vermont, um, so nature's always been just a part of my life. Um, and and seeing um, you know man's impact um, on on nature has always been jarring and, and negative for me. So. I, I, I did come up through that lens, but um, I think when I was working in finance um, during the early 2000s, um, the, the whole concept of um, impact investing mm-hmm. and, and green technology investing was, was kind of starting to come into focus because there were um, venture capital pockets of money that were mandated by various pension funds and government entities who who were deploying capital and they needed to invest in um, clean technologies, uh, clean infrastructure, um, women or minority owned businesses, things like that. So when I started working on those projects, I I naturally got interested in them. And um, with finance, I always found myself looking for more meaning and, and kind of soul um in my work and so that was an area that i was naturally um drawn to Mm -hmm. and um during during that time i read um is it is it annie novogratz or um the acumen fund founder i'm I'm terrible with names but um you know she was one of the the first women who kind of raised an impact investment fund and she'd done work over in in africa at the community level teaching women how to um, work together, create cooperatives, and and make goods that they could sell into European and U.S. markets and and make money for themselves. And she created an entire movement and fund around that. And I read that book, and then I read um, you know the the book um, about Tom's. Read a book about Charity Water, mm-hmm. and those those three things combined with my work are are real. And I I, I did a little bit of work um, on the investment side with the World Wildlife Fund. 
Um, so I think those kind of five things are, are what kind of opened my eyes. And, and then once I got married and, and really, um, you know, the, the prospect of bringing children into the world um, came, came into, into focus, um, I think that was kind of the final catalyst. And, and in fact, um, our Kickstarter was launched um, the same month that my son Magnus was born oh, wow. um, back in 2014. So that that experience of, of, of holding holding your little child, um, you know, days old, um, and just reflecting about what you want to do for them and the world, um, that 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 was a huge kind of pivot for me. Yeah, yeah, I actually hear that from a lot of people. That um, whenever I ask them, like, when did they, you know, s- start their sustainable journey? And, and many, many people are like, well, I got pregnant and yep. I started really caring about what was in my house and what was I using and, yep. you know, are these, are these toxic products that I didn't know were toxic and just yep. starting to question, question a lot no, of that, That's exactly right. I mean, you'll do, you'll do more for your children, um, typically than you will for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. the, the whole, the whole reason I, I shop and cook for the family and, and, and we don't go out is because I'm worried about their, their health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I do a lot more um, for our collective family than I do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a pretty pretty universal experience shared by a high percentage of people. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think it's, it's one of the driving forces behind a lot of the good and the altruistic activities of, of human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when I was young, it was all about, you know, being an up and coming guy, competition, kind of had an ego. And then, you know, you, you start walking around with a, with a baby in your arms and suddenly you're just kind of like peace, smiling at everybody, <laughs> making eye contact. You want everybody in your neighborhood to know who you are and to really like you, you know? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's... Life that's changes. A, that's, Life yeah, it's a, it's a positive, changes. positive um, kind of thing in, in human society. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's that's so interesting you say that too because I I actually so again like I'm you know single on my own and and no kids. I have my dog child, but <laughs> but I do actually just because I'm you know I do some of the practices that you do and try to breathe and meditate and all these things and I actually all the time I'll ask myself like I'm like mm, is that my ego or. <laughs> Or yeah. is that like, you know, my highest self that is speaking yeah. here? <laughs> like, let's clarify because it's really, I mean, that's, I mean, for so many people, I feel like ego is the thing that, that really can get in the way in life, you know? Yeah. I, you know, that's an interesting philosophic question and I'm not, I'm not an expert or very learned in any way, but what I suspect is tying it back to, you know, yin yang, positive, negative, masculine, feminine. Um, I think there's a dance between ego and collective, um, and I think that maybe it's not necessarily that one is good and one is bad, but maybe that they're in a constant dance. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's balance, um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good mm-hmm. um, or you know wanting to get a compliment, um, as long as it's you know, in balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are beautiful things that motivate you in, in positive ways. But um, you, you lean too far and now you're a narcissist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
and and on the same front, um, if you are so hard open that you can't even walk outside without being crushed by how intense and cruel the world is, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, like, or you can't set boundaries that are healthy, um, that's not good either. Yeah. Um, so, so I think you know that 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 thing where they tell you in the airplane that you know put the oxygen on yourself before you start helping anybody else. Uh, it's very true. Like if you if you understand that this is a marathon, you're you're going to be here for a lifetime. If you don't take care of your own energy, your own resources, how the heck can you be helping people 30, 40, 50 years down the road? Yeah. You're going you're going to be tuckered out. You're going to spend yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be a wreck. Yeah. There's no way you're going to Absolutely. Help I totally agree with that. It is. Yeah. You have to fill your cup first. Yep. So true. Okay, so what are you excited about for the future with just innovation that's happening in the sustainability space and just, just yeah, yeah hope because I do think I, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I mean, what what you mentioned about heart heart if you're so heart open that you're just absolutely crushed, it's like those those are the people that have the highest amount of eco anxiety, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, and so I think yeah, what are you excited about in this in this realm? So when, when COVID um, hit us, right, I was absolutely, for, for a few months, I was just like, oh, my God, like single-use masks, gloves, yeah. oh plastic bags are back. Nobody's taking reusable coffee cups. Everybody's doing takeout. I was just, I was just reeling, right? And then I, the other part was I was realizing that there were significantly less people um, spending their money with sustainability um, in mind, top of mind. Um, and, and for a little bit, I, I, I don't want to say depressed, uh, that's, but I was, I was disheartened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I, since then, let's say, I don't know when or whatever, but I've come around to thinking that there's, there's two, two thoughts that, that I firmly believe. One is, um, People often will say, probably not thinking um, about the meaning of their words, that we need to save the planet. And I don't believe that at all. I think what we need to do is save humanity and, and, and preserve um, you know, all the different kinds of plant and animal diversity that's out there that, that we're kind of destroying with our activities. I think that the planet could burn and wipe out humanity. One comet could come in hit a body of water and we're, we're gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe 99% of us. So the thought that the, the, the humans need to um, save the planet is, is a fallacy, I think. Um, I think what we need to do is see ourselves almost as a, a symbiotic member. And, and I think you could argue almost a parasite or bacteria on this planet. Mm-hmm. That, that's a very high order <laughs> parasite or bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to we need to conduct ourselves and stay in balance with our environment. And like, if, if we don't do that, it's just gonna be more suffering for humans and, and, and animals and the, ex, you know, the extent, extinction of plant life and stuff like that, so what we're doing. And I think for me, I, I just, I hope that we learn how to live um, in symbiosis with nature in a way that um, is always allowing us to, to have great things, consumerism, all that stuff. So I think I think it's necessary and important, but could we 
could we create cities that, you know, when the water leaves the city, um, it leaves the city just as clean or, or just as purified as from where it came from? Um, can we figure out a waste management system in every country uh, or every continent that just ensures that whatever goes in and goes out comes back in and gets reused? Um, and if it doesn't, it gets made inert and it's dealt with in a really um, thoughtful way. Um, I think waste management is a huge, huge opportunity um, mm -hmm. for us to monetize it and turn it back into useful goods um, that don't necessarily pollute the environment. So then can we get regulations in place that don't allow brands and factories to do things um, further up the production stream that cause headaches for everybody um, on the other end? Mm -hmm. Like just, just make it illegal. Why should you be able to put stuff onto a box that's gonna leach into the environment when nobody even pays to, to take care of boxes, for example, I'm just one example, mm -hmm. or plastic film or whatever it is. Like, just create a system that's more thoughtful, more standardized, makes recycling easier, makes mm -hmm. upcycling easier, um, that kind of stuff. I'm really excited about those technologies. Um, the traceability of individual products and life cycles and stuff like that, blockchain, that, that stuff's really interesting. Um, and then the work they're doing with like enzymes and bacteria that are able to digest um you know not only toxic waste but also plastic um mm -hmm. there's been some some enzymes that have been identified um in in landfills in japan right that they've they've started working on in labs that seem to be able to just eat and digest plastic um so i, I think i think those kind of things um swarm dwarm us uh, swarm drone powered by ai things like that where they're they're actually planting entire forests in like a matter of days with with swarms of drones that can you know basically pick up six seven different kinds of saplings and then based on what they know about the geography and where it's spacing and where it is on a slope and what the soil is like they know which tree to drop and and they can do what would normally take humans like years they can do it in a matter of weeks so those kind of things are the technologies really astounding Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we're in a period right now of, of the economic cycle where um, all the dumb money's kind of stopped and, and we're no longer funding big ideas that are just going to lose tons of money. I think people are having to run their companies in a much more thrifty kind of um, rational way. So hopefully a lot more sustainability startups are going to really focus on business fundamentals a lot earlier. Um, and, and that could lead to more efficient kind of outcomes um, in, in terms of utilization of capital and um, just better companies that are, are, are more practical and taking those baby steps that I think are, are a necessary part of, you know, our evolution towards a, a better tomorrow. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with, the, with all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that I'm, that's, I'd say there are a number of things you said just now that I, I'm I'm personally hopeful for as well with with technology, with regulation, with millennials, yeah. and uh, you know the next generation kind of getting more into power and places yeah. of power that can make change. These yeah. emerging sustainable startups. I mean, all yeah. of it. All of it's it. exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's it really, really exciting. is. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, like the the other thing is is like is. Um, you know, for a few years there, uh, it seemed like facts did not really matter, but um, hopefully we're getting back to a world where where they do in fact matter. 
And, and when you look at industries like construction and, um, you know, commercial airlines and, um, you know, things like that, where the impact on the environment is in, in agriculture, um, they're, they're, they're so much bigger than what you and I are doing in terms of our, our consumer packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the consumer packaging world is the most visible top of mind for all of us because we see it, we're, we're doing it ourselves. Um, but, but really there's these other industries that, that are kind of like the iceberg under the water where they dwarf what we're doing on a consumer basis, even with Amazon and, and all that. Um, and, and I think more and more people are, are understanding that and they're catching up with the data and as data is better uh, collected and, and communicated through really powerful infomercials and, and, you know, PowerPoints and whatever, just in ways that people can digest them. I do think, um, I think, you know, organizations, general public, research institutions, government are, are, are getting better um, yeah. for the most part. Yeah, I, know, I, I think I, a lot to be excited about. I also think companies like yours, and I mean, this is honestly why I started Sustain too, is um, like, I think that there is a lot of impact that you can drive, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective too. Like, you yes. know, if you, if you grow and scale a company, you have more influence, you have more, more sway. And, yeah. and that's when, you know, your voice and then your community's voice really, really starts to get louder and louder. So I think it's, it, I'm very impressed with what you guys have built and, um, and I'm super excited about the products that you're going to be, is, did you say next year? Are those going to be launching next year? The so... We've got we've got something coming out this summer, um, which is more um, it, it's it's exciting, but it's it's more food, more and better food storage mm-hmm. uh, solutions. And then um, for twenty, maybe late this year in time for holidays, but but we'll see. Um, I've got I'm, I'm moving into more squarely into the kitchen, mm-hmm. and then next year I'm moving into the kitchen in an even bigger way, and and then. Um, possibly end of next year possibly or, or 2025 we'll be going um you know in all the cabinets around your house cool. so, oh my gosh so, i'm so excited yeah. i'm so excited for you guys because i just love i i love seeing companies like yours succeed um and just continue to you know grow and and have influence and and really share your message you know about disposable culture and how to be more sustainable in your everyday life. So, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks really, for thanks really for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining me today. I really, it's like so so appreciate you taking the time, and um, it's just always it's always so cool to hear you know the deeper side of, of the story behind Sojo. Well, it's it's been my my pleasure to share, and um, always enjoy our conversations, whether they're being recorded or not. So, <laughs> yeah, same. Um, Thank you for listening to the Sustain Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any suggestions for future topics, please reach out to us through our website or Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review if you enjoyed what you heard. Your support means the world. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to creating a more circular future together, imperfectly, but collectively.